0: physique University your source for all things physique enhancement all right here we go hey what's up everyone welcome back to elite physique University I'm John Gorman your host you got Jason Theobald laughing at me in the background Jason what's going on man how are you
1: I'm doing well, man. You know, uh, it's a good Thursday, although it's 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 been rainy as shit here. I don't know about where you all are, but it's killing me. But uh, other than that, it's been a good week.
0: Why are you laughing? Because I fell off the wagon of cracking a fucking monster. Is that what you're yep. giggling about? Yep. <laughs> it's uh, yep. it's definitely one of those days. I mean, we always record on Thursdays. What, what people don't know is last Thursday, I think it was, hell, maybe it was Sunday. I can't remember. <laughs> we got an episode recorded. We got about three quarters of the way through. And my damn laptop wasn't plugged in, and it died, and we
1: lost everything. So, oh, it wasn't your cat that did it?
0: Well, I think it was my cat. I think I said that because I didn't want you to be pissed whenever it happened, so I blamed it on the cat. So, nah. I, I've got my I've got my laptop plugged in this time. It didn't die. Got it. Um, so we're gonna be good. Um, but man, I'm excited about this this topic today. So, Cliff, man, what's going on? How are you?
2: I'm good. I appreciate you guys having me on. I know, I know we've been uh, trying to make the schedules work with this for some time and I apologize because that's my fault.
0: (laughs) No, it's all good, man. So a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people are super, super familiar with you, but I do want to Kind of give you an introduction here, and Jason, you can chime in too if you want. The, the cool thing is, is with all three of us, this topic I've been saving for a while now because we're going to talk about this not only, you know, you guys can really talk about it from the athlete perspective, but we can also all three talk about it from the coaching perspective. It's really the truth about what it takes to get a 100% stage ready, just shredded out of your mind. And this topic, I think, is going to be a fun one because we can talk about natural bodybuilding, enhanced bodybuilding, and the whole nine yards. And to kind of give people an idea, you know, Cliff, you and I have done multiple, multiple podcasts together, whether it was on the old TNT podcast, we've done some Ask a Diet Coach videos. Um, but we co in the Physique Summit Conference, and we've been doing that since 2015. It's kind of crazy, man. You know, it's been five years. Isn't that crazy to think about?
2: God, time flies so fast.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, but the cool thing is with that is, if you talk about the three people that have been at the summit pretty much every year, except for the first year, it's been me, you, and Jason. I mean, Jason, we brought you in in 2016 to be on the Q&A yes. panel. Um, yep. The first year was, you know, Cliff and I, we didn't really know what the hell we were doing. We just got people together and we just kind of just did it and figured it out. And then, you know, Cliff and I both said, Hey, we got to get Jason in here. He's got to be part of this. So Um, this will kind of be cool because we're going to talk about stuff that I don't think we've ever three talked about at one time. So real quick, no real quick. Um, for those of you that don't know about cliff, cliff is definitely one of the top coaches in the whole industry. So, um, we're going to cover natural, we'll cover assisted bodybuilding, but cliff has been around like cliff. You started coaching in what? 2009, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Like um I I coached two clients in two thousand nine, but I think uh I really started going for it about two thousand ten. So yeah, we're like ten years now. Yeah, time flies.
0: Yeah, and you just wrote a pretty, pretty um well received book. Like it was in it was in stores everywhere. It sells well on Amazon. Go ahead and let everybody know about the book that you wrote, the title of it and the book that you wrote with Dr. Pete Fitchin.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um uh Dr. Pete Fitchin and I um we've known each other for probably, uh, seven or eight years now. And, um, we got together and wrote a book called bodybuilding, the complete contest prep handbook. And, um, we wanted the book to be, one thing that we realized is that, um, a, a good, a good coach is probably going to cost you around $150 plus per month. And we were like, you know, not everybody can really afford that. (laughs) Um, but we were like, Hey, you know, uh, most people can afford a $30 one-time book. And so we wanted to write a book that would um, allow the new competitor to pick it up and prep themselves from start to finish, as well as have the experienced competitor pick it up and pick up some new things. And, um, you know, I think I think we did pretty well with that. And, yeah, like you said, it's been pretty well received. We've been happy.
0: Yeah, it's definitely, I'm going to go ahead and put the link in the show notes. So wherever you're listening to the podcast or if it's on YouTube, it doesn't matter. Just go to the show notes and click on it. It'll take you right over to Amazon. You guys can pick that up because you're not going to find a better book on contest prep, especially for $30. And, and I've read the other books out there. There's a lot of good stuff, but this is definitely one that I'm going to recommend to you guys. So check out the show notes. Um, Cliff, here's how we kind of start. This is how we kind of start the show off. We talk about what's new with us or something new and cool that we've learned over the last week or two that we want to pass along to listeners. Um, so what's new with you? I, I know that we've talked about some stuff off the, off the show before we started. What do you want to pass along? What's something new that you've learned or an announcement that you might have for somebody?
2: Um, yeah, so I, I guess the couple of things that I've been, uh, working on that should be coming out soon is that, um, I guess one of the, and John and Jason, I'm sure you guys have had this thing too, where it's like, um, as a coach, you can only take on so many people. Um, you know, there's always that limit of how many people you can work with at a time. And then the other aspect is that, um, I only work with competitors and I have a lot of like, um, people who are very serious about weight training, tell me that they want to, um, you know, sometimes They inquire about coaching, but I don't usually work with non-competitors. So um, I'm going to start putting out some um, sort of of training templates that are customizable to to the individual, and uh, those will be out in a couple months. And um, in addition to the book I already wrote, I'm slowly chipping away at a second book here uh, that should be out late, very late this year or um, very early next year, uh, assuming I can keep chipping away at it at the pace that I've done. Um, This one's going to be all about um, the psychology aspect that I use with my clients, Um, because, you know, John, you've heard me say over the years many times, like um, there are very few people that can draw up a really great plan, but there's even fewer that can get people to follow that plan. (laughs) And um, this is all of the psychological things that I sort of key in with my clients to help them make them mentally tough.
0: And that's, that's perfect because, it, you, you know, a lot of your talks have been so well received at the summit because they've, they've included a lot of these principles that you're writing about. And we're going to talk about a lot of that stuff on the show today, guys, because, you know, Jason and I have, you know, over the past 22, 23 episodes, we've talked a lot about Jason, we've covered hormones. We've covered metabolic capacity and reverse dieting, the important of off yep. season, like sticking to your diet, and you know, all this different stuff we've covered but we haven't necessarily covered the mental side of this and we're going to cover a little bit of everything today and that's going to be super important. But before we get into that, um, Jason was something new that that you want to pass along or any kind of announcement you have?
1: Sure. I mean, I, I, I got a couple things. Um, my next, um, hormone class, um, will be June 13th. That's a Sunday. Um, so I'll be putting something out on Instagram. I had 15 in my last one. Um, And so I'm going to go ahead and hold, this will be my sixth one now. And um, I cover things that basically it's a full protocol to help you Fix where there's hormonal dysfunctions. You know, we're we're kind of just feeding up. Didn't didn't get everything jump started again. So, if you're interested in that, you can email me Jason at ScoobyPrep.com, and I will send you the brochure on it. You can read it, see if it's really something that you're into, and then save your spot. Um, and then another thing, I was just going to pass on. It was just some little tidbits. Um, had some issues with some clients with prolactin, and. Um, did some digging on like just some natural remedies and found that about 1,200 milligrams of B6 will help lower it, um, along with vitamin E um, will also help. And then it was interesting because my company New Ethics has uh, Chaseberry liposomal, and actually at low doses, um, under 400 migs, uh, the info said that will actually spike prolactin. But then, and doses over 500 milligrams, you can actually use it to lower prolactin. So, um, you know, that was some interesting tools and some things, um, that, uh, that I kind of dug out, um, just for the, for the toolbox. And if you're looking at labs and you've got issues with that, um, you know, that might help you there. So that's my announcement. And then that's my little, my little education.
0: Yeah. Very interesting. You know, I was familiar with, with B6 because, you know, back in the day I had some clients that would, they're worried about prolactin related gyno. And that was always one that, I heard it through the grapevine. I didn't really necessarily see a lot of information on it, but I I just kind of heard that from other people. So I I had that stored in the back of my head somewhere, somewhere over a thousand megs and you said 1200. Um, So that was always interesting, but I always wondered, I was, you know, is, is this just some shit some bros are saying? You know, so then I would sit there and think about B6 and you can find it in tablet form and Walmart. It was super cheap. And I always just wondered, is that legit or not? But now it, apparently after you, you did some digging, it is. Yep. So that's, yep. that's pretty cool. That's good information to pass along. I just have a real quick announcement. Um, you know, we're recording this on a Thursday and this releases on a Sunday. Um, so by the time people hear this, I will have made my announcement with the Fat Muscle Project apparel company, not just being an apparel company anymore. We're relaunching it. And it is now a supplement company. And a lot of people didn't know that. Um, they've been guessing, asked me if I was going to start a white trash energy drink company, which I thought was pretty funny, but <laughs> it, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it um, Cliff was like, damn it, I wish that was it, man. We'd have nonstop energy drinks at the <laughs> summit. But um, no, we, we launched it and we've got the basic supplements to launch. And we're uh, we're super, super proud of that. So if you guys want to check that out, the link's in the show notes. It's FAT, as in P-H-A-T, not F-A-T, fatmuscleproject.com. Um, check us out. Uh, we really, really are proud of this. And, and we did it mostly just for our clients and, and to have an alternative, an affordable alternative with supplements that are made that are extremely, extremely high quality. So give us a shot. I don't want to talk any more about that because we've got a great topic to talk about today on the show. And guys, I, I want to kind of start this off with a statement. So, you know, as I said earlier, I want to break this show down into the physical side of things, but I also want to talk about the mental component, um, because it may just be the most important part when it comes to the very end of someone's prep. And, and like I said, Jason, you and I have talked about cortisol and metabolic capacity and all this in labs yeah. and all this stuff on this podcast. We have so much more to talk about, but I want to dig deeper. And that's why I saved this for Cliff, because I know this is definitely one of his passions. It, it, all three of us are passionate about it. But I want us to talk about what it takes to dig deep and truly get 100% stage lean for the athlete. Or, you know, Jason, we have a lot of coaches that listen to the show. And Cliff, think about that as you start to get feedback, too, once we get digging in. We've got a lot of people that coach athletes. And if you're one of those coaches out there and you're just you having clients that are 3, 4, 5 pounds, maybe even more, just when you just can't quite get them shredded. And you're like, man, what's the missing ingredient? We're going to kind of, we're going to kind of kick this off and, and, and lay this out to where it, it you know shows everybody, all right, here, listen, this is where you need to go from A to B. So the opening statement that I really want to make though is, is related to the bodybuilding industry and Cliff, since you're the guest, we'll go ahead and steer it your way first. We'll kind of talk about natural bodybuilding. We can talk about all sides of it. All three of us can, but you know, Cliff, what what are your feelings on the current level of conditioning that we're seeing at shows? Um, and I know you have people in the MPC and the IFBB, but let's cover natural bodybuilding first. Uh, what's your what's your feelings on that? Because you know, prior to 2014, there was a period where, you know, in 2011 to 2014, you and I are going at each other's throats like fucking hard, and our clients are competing at each other. And there's a ton of coaches out there that are putting clients on, on stage shredded and you had to bring it. And I'm just, I just haven't really seen that much since 2014. What's, what's kind of your take on, on the current level of conditioning? Are you seeing it go down? That's, that's kind of what I'm seeing, but what are you seeing?
2: No, I, I feel the same way. So I, 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 sometimes I've been, the funny thing is I've been kind of rambling about this a little bit to my girlfriend, Haley. Um, <laughs> so she's had to listen to this, but um you know, John, you and I have talked about when we were sort of going at each other, there were a lot of other um, coaches that were really bringing, bringing it. like it was you and I pushing each other, but there were other coaches pushing us too. Um, and one thing that I find is interesting, I feel like the level of conditioning that um, is just peeled out of, you know, just shredded beyond recognition is still being heavily awarded on stage these days. But I feel like less, fewer people are bringing that level. Um I, I don't know if you've noticed the same thing, but, um, you know, at least speaking for myself personally, um, I've had a lot of my clients in the last few years. Um, my, my clients have a much higher win percentage and are placing much higher than they ever have before. And, um, I feel like because, um, they are willing to go where fewer people are willing anymore um, and I feel like maybe, I th- maybe 2014, 2015, 2016, I was seeing quite a few people um, still really bring it. But maybe like 2017, 18, 19, I feel like I've seen the overall conditioning of lineups drop a little bit. I don't know if you've noticed the same thing.
0: Yeah, I have. And you know, while we're talking about the natural side, Jason, feel free to jump in here because you have a shit ton of natural people that have hit the stage as well. It's, it's one of those things to where, you know, when we were battling it out and you had a lot of other coaches and I hate to say names that, that aren't really around coaching people anymore. Cause I don't want that to sound like it's a negative thing. They've just chosen not, not to continue to do it. Like, like us three, like we're still doing this full time for a living. And there were a lot of coaches back then that were good with a lot of clients and they're just not around anymore. And I almost feel like we just don't have the the same amount of coaches that are out there passionate about it. Like, like we did in that short period of time. And I think more people are just concerned with, with coaching people, you know, for Instagram or they're just whether they're an athlete or not. And Cliff, you've kind of said this before, they're just dieting for social media and they're not necessarily so much interested in dieting for the stage. Do you, do you still feel that's the case?
2: Oh, oh yeah. I mean, here, I'm, I'm going to give one example for those that, I mean, for those that follow natural bodybuilding, like we kind of look at what happened at IPE worlds, um, this last year in 2019, um, IPE world championships, John, you had, uh, you had a world champ there, correct?
0: Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh,
2: in women's physique. Yep. And like I had the men's bodybuilding world champ and the women's bodybuilding world champion. And then um, Brian Berklin had classic physique world champion and figure world champion. Correct. And then um, Pete Fitchin had third place in bodybuilding. And um, like it was pretty like most of the world champions on that date and the people that were placing in top three in general we're, um, all, all of us are friends. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like I, uh, there's something to be said for like all of us are sort of have that same quality and we sort of, we don't really let our clients, we hold, like we all have take different approaches, but I think we all have like certain expectations of our clients. Like we're not going to let them stay lean year round just for Instagram. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Um, so like, I don't think that's a coincidence that all of us sort of take certain stances on those types of things.
0: And, and, you know, here's the other thing and I'll throw this over and Jason chime in here too. Do you guys think this is also because there's more coaches out there now with the rise of Instagram? Because if you look at the 2010 to 2014 time frame, I kind of was pointing out like, yeah, we, we had a big, you know, insurgence of coaches then, but not like what we see now. So now I think, and this is my opinion, I think there's so many different coaches to choose from and people really don't fucking know who to pick. And they end up getting mediocre coaches because that's it's really kind of watered down. Jason, is, is that something that you can kind of see happening with with uh, the coaching industry right now on both sides? Doesn't matter, you know, which side of the fence they, they compete on. Would you you think that's accurate?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's accurate for sure. I mean, you know, I don't think at any point in time have we had more people entering the coaching field than right than right now. And you know, I, I think it's all going to it's all going to, you know, sift itself out. Um, You know, the cream will rise to the top as it always does. And, you know, other people will fall off, but sure. I mean, you know, you have people too who they just don't get it. It's like, Oh, well, I can get, I can work with Jason and he's two fifty, or I can pay for X, Y, Z. They look good when they compete and they're a hundred a month. Okay. I'm going to hire that guy. Well, I mean, you get what you pay for, you know? And so um, just because someone looks good on stage doesn't mean they know how to, um, you know, get a body moving. Uh, All the, I mean, I've been at this 15 years. I've seen almost everything that you can see in terms of, you know, shit storms and what you have to fix and how you have to go. So, you know, there's levels to it, as I always say. And I think that, you know, like anything in life, you get what you pay for. And so, yes, there's a lot more options out there. And then I usually get people you know, later uh, when they've done it once or twice and they realize that they really want to do this and go far, they're willing to invest more. So I get it. Like it's your first time out. I'm going to go with someone who, you know, I don't even know if I'm going to like this. Um, But yeah, I think it has a lot to do with the amount of choice that you can, that you have right now. One other thing though, on the natural side, I'm curious how you guys feel about it. Um, You know, how much do you think it's impacted uh, by the fact that, the natural conditioning standards kind of seem to hit like a huge peak in terms of, you know, guys like Brian Whitaker came along and, you know, they're dieting 30 weeks to get peeled. Um, you know, I've gone on record before and I'm not dieting 30 weeks to get shredded. Like, call me mentally weak. I don't care. Like, so does that impact um, just the amount of athletes that, you know, will do that and go there and will not go there? And so, you know, are you kind of, are we kind of coming into a generation where they're not really wanting to diet that long? I mean, if you look at the Jim Cordova's of the world, they looked amazing, but they weren't in the kind of shape that the top natural guys are in now.
0: Yeah. Interesting. What do you think, Cliff?
1: Uh, I, I do think it's impacted it along
2: with the, um, you know, introduction of the other categories. Um, so, you know, I think, I think the combination of the two is really what does it. Um, you know, I, and I guess for myself, I I still like, I have always liked to see competitors very, very lean, but I don't want to see a guy that looks like a shredded swimmer being a very, very muscular guy. Do you know what I mean? Um, but if one guy is slightly bigger, but kind of soft and the other one is slightly smaller, but just shredded to the bone. Yep. then I'll probably go for the lean guy, if that, yep. if that makes sense.
1: I generally um, do too. I agree.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I do think that um, for a few years, it went too much towards the shredded swimmer. Um, and, and, you know, for those that don't know what I look like, I could be confused for the shredded swimmer. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Um, but I, I guess I think that, I think it's come back a little bit in terms of like, they want to see that well-rounded bodybuilder. Um, in terms of the judging standard. But I, I honestly, I think that the bodybuilding division for what a lot of people are looking for, here's what I say. And this isn't trying to, this isn't trying to poo poo, um, you know, classic physique in the in the natural side, because I think classic physique in the natural side is probably, um, you know, I have clients that compete there, but there's less distinction between natural bodybuilding and natural classic physique. 100%. Um, And then, and then you look at men's physique. I think the thing is that, um, you know, a lot of guys feel like they may not be ready for bodybuilding, but in actuality, at least this is my take on it. um, You look at um, classic physique and men's physique, you have fewer ways to actually beat your opponent. Um, Mm -hmm. You have fewer poses in, in men's physique. Um, and a lot of the things are a little bit more structure based, whereas in bodybuilding, you can get leaner than your opponent to beat him. You can outpose him. And so I actually think it's a mistake for a lot of these guys that don't have these really elite genetics, um, to say, I want to do these other divisions. Cause I don't feel I'm ready for bodybuilding when in actuality, I'm like, you have more ways to actually to beat your opponent. Um, I think genetics matter a lot more in something like, um, men's physique, because yeah. you know, if you, if you don't have this awesome structure, you're not really going to have many ways to make up for that. <laughs> I I agree
1: with you there actually. Yeah.
0: Hey, and Jason, I'll, I want to throw this back to you real quick. And then, then we'll talk about some of the reasons why we think people aren't able to get as lean. Um, what are you seeing on the MPC IFBB side, as far as conditioning over the last five years, you know, I don't really have my finger on the pulse of that side yeah. of the industry like you do. Are Are yeah. you seeing it kind of mirror what we see in natural bodybuilding? Do you think the standards, And and I know, Maybe not the IFBB side, maybe the state level side. But you break this down however you want. Do do you see you know the same problem that we just talked about? Yes.
1: Yeah, I mean we we do, um, especially on the bodybuilding side now. Because honestly, in the NPC side, a lot of people are uh, a lot of the actually really good genetics are heading to classic. Um, A lot. So when you go to when you show up to an NPC show. You know, you might see one or two big guys that are in shape, but honestly the bodybuilders aren't really the most gifted athletes in the show and they aren't usually the hardest. You're seeing the best athletes gravitate towards classic. And I think that's a whole, you know, yeah. uh, indictment against the fact that people don't want to ruin their health, um, you know. And so they're going more for the classic and the conditioning in the classic classes at the lower levels, they're still really solid. Um, I'm not saying every guy comes in peeled, but like you're going to have some really ripped up dudes with glutes hanging out, even though the shorts are, you know, cover more area. And so a lot of the genetics are heading towards um, classic. And even at like junior nationals and junior USA it's like those classes are coming out and they're 2025 20, deep. Um and then, uh, you know, like when I did junior nationals and was one spot off my pro card, we had 24 at master's nationals. I think my class had like 17 or something. So those classes are where a lot of the talent's going. And so I'll be curious, you give IFBB, uh, you know, the, the, the open another five, six years. It'll be interesting to see um, that like kind of the talent dichotomy. Um, but I can tell you in the, in the IFBB, they are swinging back towards the more aesthetic physique. I mean, you can see it cool. from Curry winning um, and just watch the guys that are winning at the, um, at the shows. And they are swinging back to a more um, drier, uh, more aesthetic, more X shaped physique. So I think and it's swinging back actually now and three or four years ago, the conditioning as, as a whole was was way worse. I, I'm I, Personally, I'm really liking the looks that some
2: of the classic in, in the NPC and IFBB side, yeah. I'm really liking some of those looks just as like a fan of the sport. Right. <laughs> you know what Me I mean? Me too. Yep. Um, I, I just think it's, you know, it kind of takes people back to maybe when they first got into it. Yep. Um, you know, I, so I, I mean, personally, just speaking as a fan of the sport, I can see why they're doing it. Because I, I
1: agree with everything you said. And I, I kind of like I like, I like the swing. I do too. 100% for, for myriad of reasons. Yeah.
0: And, you know, I want to, I want to throw one more thing out to you guys and then we're going to start talking about things like how low calorie, you know, we've had to take some athletes and some of the really interesting stuff, um, with natural and assisted. One more thing I want to throw out to you guys. So this is a theory that I have here with, and I'll just be honest, the last probably two years, Um, And here's the thing. I feel like I'm the best coach I've ever been at this point. I feel like I'm knowledgeable. I feel like I can look at labs. I feel like I can screen my people. I feel like I can fix them. I can set them up for a successful prep if I have them all off season or they come to me and everything looks good. But I have struggled the last couple years with more clients than I have in the past to getting them 100% stage lean. And it's one of those things I'm sitting here trying to figure out. What the fuck is going on here? What? Why do I have a lot of people that are, and, and here's the thing, it's worked out well because the competition is so low in, in natural bodybuilding, my clients are still fucking winning. Like, you know, three pounds from stage, four pounds from stage. And that just goes to show if that would have been seven, eight years ago, they wouldn't have won. So my thought with that is, and I'll get your guys' take on this. I think that more people are chronically dieting now more than ever because of things like Instagram, because of, you know, when I was with first form, we had them. My transformation starts today challenge. i like, people are doing that fucker, you know, every 12 weeks they're dieting and then they go off for like, and listen, I don't care. Like I'll, I'll stab that in the face. Like people are not coming off that and they're chronically dieting all year long to try and win 50 fucking grand or they've got these other competitions or just Instagram in general. And I just feel like the industry is seeing more people chronically dieting now more than ever before. Do you guys think that that's possibly something that might be playing into things that coaches are running into? It,
1: it, it definitely. I mean, I, you know, I 100% agree with you. Cause I, you know, I'm getting more and more, you know, especially females who are just not, not healthy. You know, it's the same scenario every, every day. I mean, you know, it's, I was with this coach. Um, I think they were doing everything right, but I'm not responding to drops. You know, we keep putting in more cardio. Then I'm finally starting to put on weight. It's the whole thing, you know? And so, I mean, I've made a whole extra business out of reading labs and fixing people. And it's, it's all stemming from, at least on the female side, it's like, I got to lose weight. I've got, I, I'm a number on the scale. Everything they do is designed to lose weight. It's never, let's be strong. Let's be let's build muscle. It's just that's not the mentality. And it's got to stem some from Instagram. You know what I mean? It, it has to um, or just social media. I don't want to throw Instagram completely. Sure. Out you know, I mean, um, but yeah, I, I think that um, it's a chronic state of dieting, chronic state of stress. I mean, I, I would I would I would say our society as a whole is under stress more now than probably any other time um, in, in any of our parents' lives or anyone that came before us. So then you add on the stress of always, you know, trying to be in that mental game plan of drop weight, drop fat, drop this. Um, yeah, I think it's compounded the issue for sure. And I'm now starting to get man with issues too, um, which I never really saw, but I'm starting to get on more and more now.
0: Yeah, Cliff, are, are you seeing more people come to you that are a little bit lower calorie than they should be, or they, they don't have their metabolic capacity, or any other issues that you spot? Are you seeing more of that the last few years, or, or no?
2: No, like you said, I, I agree with Jason on everything you said. Um, people do want to stay leaner than what they should, and I, 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 I'll actually throw Instagram under the bus on this one because, um, in Facebook, when because let's be real, I think in the fitness industry. Facebook used to be king, you know what I mean? Like, uh, maybe what, like 2010 to Definitely. 2015, maybe yep. 16, but in the last few years now, Instagram is king. Facebook is politics. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah.
2: So, yeah. so, um, you know, they used to be able to post and not have to show themselves all the time. But now on Instagram, you know, if you want to post, you got to show yourself. And, um, and now combine that with, like everybody's a coach culture. (laughs) Yeah. Um, if they want to, if they want to build their business, they're like, I have to stay lean. I have to stay looking good. And I have a lot of people, you know, asking me that. And I say, well, you know, are you wanting to do this for coaching or you want to be actually a good competitor? Because there's a, there's a diverging road there at some point. Um, and so, you know, I, I absolutely agree with that. And, um you know john you and i have talked about this for years ranting in hotel rooms to each other about how people that diet too soon or too often they're just not going to be able to get as lean as they ultimately could yeah Um, i mean i i'd like to see people not diet for lengthy periods of time when i say lengthy i'm not talking just a few months like i'd like to even go a year without ever having to do a mini cut (laughs) you know what i mean like just just eat and enjoy yep. and be comfortable and and also like I also think that people have a skewed view of what comfortable feels like anymore um, you know like they they convince themselves for short periods of time this is where I feel best when in actuality what they're saying is this is where I feel I look best yeah. Um, yeah and they're they're not actually familiar with what comfortable is and then I guess I'll add one more sidebar to what Jason said too like I think people are more stressed than they ever have been and I think that like, it's easy to say that you shouldn't compare yourself to others, but I think people in general, human beings in general are made to compare. We're very hierarchical in nature. And, but it used to be like we would compare ourselves to our neighbors and maybe the people <laughs> yeah. at school or something like that or at work or whatever. Um, we used to like, compare ourselves to 15 people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, like right. that was, that was the standard. Now with social media, we compare ourselves to thousands and thousands of people. And I don't know if you guys notice this, but I do like the people that really spend a lot of time on social media are the most stressed out people that I work with. Oh um, yeah. yeah. And, and I don't, I mean the people that like, I do a lot of social media, but that's, it's my job. I mean, I, I don't ever scroll social media. I like post and then I go about my day. Um, but I find that the, the best bodybuilders are usually the ones that don't do a lot with social media. Hmm.
0: I can see that man. Low stress, yeah. low, set, low stress and low pressure. I, I can see that for sure.
2: Yeah. I mean, just a side note there, but
0: <laughs> yeah. And so the reason why, and maybe our listeners are like, so, so where are you guys going with this? The reason why I, I did all of this to kind of lead up to the things we're going to talk about is. Because this kind of paints the picture for kind of what we've all been seeing. So maybe in the back of your head, if you're listening, you, you've thought you've kind of picked out a little bit. Of the, like this is our this is our thoughts over the last five to ten years. This is kind of what we're seeing. So now, guys, what I want to do is get into the, the nuts and bolts. And I want to talk about, I just want to kick this off with probably something everybody wants to hear us talk about, how low-calorie we've had to take some of our athletes. And to kind of start that off, the whole reason we're having the show is We're trying to tell people what it takes to truly, truly, truly get 100% stage ready. And Jason, Cliff, you guys have both been on stage. I haven't been on stage since 2010. I got pretty close. I wouldn't definitely not 100% lean. I was probably like 90, 90% lean. But I know what that fucking hunger feels like, that really hardcore hunger feels like when you get down and you're just hurting. Why don't you guys kind of explain what that feels like to you when you know you're down to the last five pounds. Cliff, go ahead and talk about that. You were just on stage a couple years ago. Explain to the listeners what exactly that feels like.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, almost where to begin, right? <laughs> it's like, um, you know, the, I, I guess, one, there's almost constant hunger, at least for me, Um you know, it, it ebbs and it flows, but the hunger is pretty much always there. You know that feeling where you eat a eat a meal and then you're hungry again, probably within 30 minutes. Um, and then uh, um, interrupted sleep. Um, I tend to sleep better than most people, so when I say interrupted sleep, even for me, that it happens at the end, uh, where you just don't seem to fall asleep quite as deeply. Um, and then uh, there's a certain just fatigue that uh, I would categorize as it's it's always there and you can't really escape it. And at least for me, I think the hardest part about prep is that fatigue because I tend to be naturally a pretty energetic guy. Um, so for some people, I think the hunger is the worst thing because they don't like that hunger feeling. And for some people, the fatigue is almost the worst thing. Um, for me, it's the, the fatigue because there's not really a reprieve from it. <laughs> um, you know, where, where you may get a day where you can have a refeed day and then feel a little bit better, but you don't really get that, that reprieve from it. And then I guess the last thing is there's a certain, I always call it diet anxiety. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: Jason you knew what I'm talking about too. Where it's yeah. Like, I was, was going to um, bring it up and you just, yeah, go ahead.
2: Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm probably John, you can attest to this. I'm probably the lowest anxiety guy you're going to meet Um, but when you, when you, when you are very, very lean, there's a certain edge that you have where you're just like never totally relaxed, (laughs) you know what I mean? And so, um, you know, I think that in terms of feeling each person has the different downfalls, like some people are more bothered by the hunger, some people more bothered by the fatigue, some people more bothered by the anxiety. And then I think it comes uh, to the point where like learning to manage each one of those aspects to it at least at least that's my take on it
0: yeah. go ahead jason i know, I know um, you got some i
1: mean he covered a lot of good things cliff did but um you know for me i always when when i'm into that point where i'm in my final four weeks um and i i know that it's going to be kind of hell and there's going to be kind of a lot of just dark days and so you kind of have to welcome it and think about the fact that the fact that you're hollow, like you never feel full. You just kind of walk around, uh, with a hollow feeling, maybe even emotionally as well. Um, and no matter what food I put in me, it doesn't, it doesn't help. Um, and then, you know, a lot of times I have problems. Like once I get in the final four weeks, um, I, I know when I was getting ready after the hurricane pro and I, I knew I could have done better. And, um, I really pushed myself hard for the Kentucky pro and I passed out twice, once going to the fridge and my son was right there and it kind of freaked him out. And then I passed out getting off of a, uh, leg, uh, press. And luckily I was able to grab something as I was going down and I didn't, you know, you know, it didn't cause any problems, but, and you know, at the time, uh, when I'm outside of that thinking about it, I'm like, man, you're, you're a dumbass. Like you should have probably rested or had a couple refeeds, but I just pushed right on through and didn't even think twice about it. I'm just like, yep, I'm prepping. That's, that's normal. I'm just kind of deal with it. So sometimes that happens to me. Um, and then the anxiety is kind of pretty bad for me, but I'm an adrenaline driven guy anyways. Um, and so that's probably one of the worst for me, especially in the evening, just that anxiety and then, or like anxiety with your schedule. Um, You know, I have two kids, Um, you know, you you never quite know if something's going to get thrown off, you got to be somewhere, you're gonna have to pack a meal real quick, there's just always that little bit of diet anxiety there. And, um, you know, that just comes with being super hungry. And, you know, for those listening, this doesn't happen, or it shouldn't be happening, you know, 12 weeks out, your coach should be, you know, landing the ship properly, but um, the plane, I mean, but, you know, uh, by the last four weeks, those are some things that I, experience almost every time and then Cliff's right about sleep you know like I'm a pretty good sleeper too but you know at that point like a lot of it gets disturbed you wake up a lot I'll have night sweats at times um so yeah I mean you've got to be ready uh to know that um you're going into an area where you know the worse you feel generally the better you're probably gonna end up looking
0: yeah, and that's that's kind of why I, I wanted to kind of go here because there's a lot of people that can't push through a lot of the things that you guys just mentioned, and especially that fatigue. I remember when I felt it last in like 2010, I had this feeling and the only way I could explain it was, you know, people say the feeling of death. I felt like I was walking through quicksand yeah. all day every day. And the only thing that would help is if I like had Starbucks. But now these days, we know if you're going to fucking overstem yourself, you're actually going to feel like shit anyway. So like, yeah, you'll come up for a little bit, but then you just get overstemmed and like your CNS is fried and you feel bad. But that I remember that was, that was probably the hardest thing for me was just dealing with that because the only thing it would help would be extra caffeine so I would pour that on and it just made me feel worse the next day so um, go ahead You got?
2: yeah is it one of those situations too where you like drink the caffeine and you're like I didn't get any more energy I just raised my heart rate (laughs) (laughs) Um, but no like going back to like what Jason said Jason you're so right too like sometimes also have you guys ever worked with a client who's competed before but never really got like shredded shredded you know what I mean like they went out there and they weren't quite ready and they'll say things like you know, and I, I hate to sound like like crazy to them, but they're like, you know, I I think something's wrong. I when I stand up, I get dizzy. You know what, <laughs> what I mean? Or I, and I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, that's right on track. <laughs> you yeah. know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. like, or they're like, um, you know, I get shaky because you know, like the low blood sugar or sometimes. Sugar. Yep. And, there, and I'm like, yeah, it's probably to be expected at this point, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I'm like, you know, we might want to adjust your meal timing a little bit, but I think to a certain extent it gets to be a little unavoidable um, yeah. in like those final four weeks. And so it's like...
1: Um, it sounds crazy, but like, oh yeah, you're gonna get dizzy. You're gonna you're gonna feel lightheaded at times.
0: Yeah, a lot, and a lot sometimes of sometimes
1: that lightheaded ends up with the lights going out for a second. You're on the floor.
0: <laughs> Man, it's, it sounds bad. Like everybody are like, well, fuck, like that's not healthy. <laughs> that's not a good thing. um well,
1: that's why I don't do it that often. But you know, but, you I know, want I wanted to win. But no, yeah. you're right though, Jason. It's like, um, you
2: you're best off with a lot of these side effects, not trying to fight them (laughs) you know what I mean like uh the hunger you know the people that eat like four pounds of vegetables every day trying to fight the hunger Um, or they're like or they're always like um they're always on this like they they it's like a puzzle they're trying to solve to make that side effect go away um and I'm like you're not gonna make it go away it's like once you accept it 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 will get easier Yeah, Um, and, and it it sounds real Zen to like try to describe, especially to like, like a 22 year old, 23 year old kid getting into it. You know what I mean? You're like, don't fight it. Just accept it. They're like, what the hell are you talking about? (laughs) Right.
0: But no, that, that makes perfect sense because you know, in 2010, Jason and I were working together and that was me. I was eating, you know, when I was hungry, I would go eat a whole head of cauliflower, And I would have Walden's on fucking everything. I would eat cans of pumpkin, which really made Jason happy whenever I would shit my brains out and drop a bunch of weight and gain a bunch the next day. But I was trying to solve that feeling of being hungry when, you know, these days we can tell our clients, listen, you have to accept that because there's no way around it. To get truly 100% lean, you're going to have to be hungry and you just have to accept it.
1: You you just have to embrace it. Right. Your final goal your final goal has to trump. And if it doesn't, then, you know, you might not really be cut out to be a top level bodybuilder. And that's, that's fine. Um, but, you know, that's something that, you know, you've got to uh, kind of reconcile within
0: Yeah. And I always tell, I tell my clients, I say, listen, take this way that you feel right now. You feel so bad. Your competition feels like that too right now. And a lot of them are bitching out or they'll cheat on their diet or they'll slack off or they'll do something. And this is, this is where you beat them. But also this is champions can feel like this and they can still go in the gym and have a pretty damn good workout. That's what champions can do. And I tell my clients that, and you know, it does help, you know, at least for a day or two, um, but with that being said, let's let's talk about how low calorie you guys have taken yeah. some of your athletes with some examples. Cliff, we'll go ahead and kick it off with you. I, I know you've talked about in your presentations, numerous clients that you've had to take pretty low calorie. And um, I know it's not always associated with hunger because somebody could get shredded on 1,700 calories or somebody could get shredded on 900, but I want to give our listeners an idea of just how low calorie. Sometimes we'll take some of our clients because I think people get caught up with being a quote-unquote bad coach because you take a female to 1,100 calories or or whatever, 1,000. And and I want to just be honest with everybody and tell people where we'll fucking take people to get on stage. So, Cliff, if you don't mind, go ahead and kick it off.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I think the male calories wouldn't shock people as much, to be honest with you. like I think usually men are able to get lean with less resistance. Um, Not always, but – um I, so in general, at least for myself, I wouldn't say that there's a I, I wouldn't say that there's a, a lower limit that I have. I'm gonna say there's a lower limit for each person. Um so I, I I'll tend to keep cutting calories away um and and or adding or and adding cardio. Um, but I always am kind of keeping one eye on the well-being of the person. Um so I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever had that situation where you may take a female competitor down to 1,300 calories. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that's not terribly abnormal, um, going down to 1,300 on a contest prep diet. But if she seems like she's just really struggling mentally or physically, then I'm going to be hesitant to keep pushing much lower. Yeah. Um, you know, so if if she's telling me things like, you know maybe if she's down to 1300 calories and she's not even super near show lean but she's telling me she's having a lot of bit weird physical side effects then i'm like well we need to maybe go see a doctor we need to get some blood work or if she's having mental struggles um constantly cheating on the diet um you know just seems to be you can pick up on the higher anxiety signs you know what i mean like through email a lot of times and and then i'm like well we need to work through that as well um so i'll be hesitant but you know sometimes you'll have a competitor where they'll they'll get down near a thousand calories but they're feeling good so we'll just keep riding with it you know we'll 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 just continue i I don't like i don't thousand calories usually makes me very very uncomfortable if i'm being honest um it, it, it you usually i'm like all right this is kind of where i'm starting to draw the line um but i'm gonna even once i get once I get below 1,100 calories, then I'm, I'm very, very cautious about changing anything or going to any more extremes, even if they ask for it. Um, then I start looking at like, why aren't we dropping below this? But I mean, perfect example. Um, John, you remember Carrie Bolan?
0: Yeah, that's who I was hoping you'd talk about.
2: Uh, My client Carrie Bolan. She was a, uh, 100 pound female bodybuilder. Uh, who was 48 years old, uh, post menopause. Um, so I'm dealing with a very light competitor, uh, post menopause and, uh, has to get shredded. So all of these things lead to very, very low calories. Um, and so her cardio got pretty high at like a little over an hour a day along with like slightly, she's, she's the lowest I've ever gone at like slightly under a thousand calories per day. But she was feeling, she was communicating with me well and saying, Hey, I still feel pretty good. Things are still moving. Let's just keep it going. Like we stayed at that level for probably, you know, longer than I would feel comfortable with, but she never showed any signs of being uncomfortable physically or mentally. So we were able to ride it out.
0: Yeah. What about you, Jason, as far as, you know, how low calorie you've had it, do you have anybody that you have as an example or you yeah. don't have to say their name, but you know, I've got,
1: kind of I've got a couple, I mean, you know, yeah, it, it happens over time. I mean, I've, I've had a guy that he was the front runner for the pro card um, at USA's in a lightweight class. And um, he, his body was done. Like he had been, he had been, you know, hitting uh, a show or two every year for like three, four, five years. And, um, I got him in the aftermath of all this. And, you know, I knew his body was jacked because he's like, Oh yeah. The very first time I ever dieted, you know, I got pretty shredded on like 220 carbs. I never had to go any lower. I had to put this guy on protein and veggies for like 11 weeks oh, and fuck. yeah i mean and i told him i said there's something wrong with you like we need to pull labs we need to stop prepping he's like under no circumstances am i stopping I'm like all right well all right so i've already warned you that you're you're fucked up but if you don't care then all right so yeah i mean i never did the math on the protein veggie days but like you know if it's 300 grams of protein um what that's 1200 calories um And I think at times we were at 250 and then, you know, so a thousand calories for a guy. And, you know, I I don't remember if I had to go lower, but it was pretty, pretty bad. And I mean, it lasted, like I said, it was like 10 weeks of it with one refeed a a, a week. Um, So that was super low. My general rule generally is 10, 10, times body weight. I really don't like to go under. So I like to get someone obviously in the off season and then have that in my mind of where about that would be for them. Um, but for women, um, I've done protein and veggies with them as well. And, you know, protein's a lot lower. So, you know, if you're thinking 150 grams, that's 600 calories. And whatever you pick up from veggies, maybe another 150. So we're talking 750, 800 calories um, that I've had to go to um, with females before. That all said, um, I haven't really had to do it in a while. Like, I'm becoming a smarter coach, a better coach. Um, I'm trying to get people to, work with me in the off season. So I can run labs, I can get everything right, I can get their body where it needs to be. And then you don't have as much of those those issues. But you know, hey, listen, I've always said this, and the people I mentor, I say, look, if you know, it's getting to the point where it's definitely going to be detrimental to their health, have that discussion with them. Always have that discussion, let them know why it's a situation why that you're not super comfortable with it you know, like Cliff said, look at their biofeedback. If they've got some things that are suggesting high cortisol, guts going to shit, sleeps going to shit, they have no response to training, but you know, you're not show lean yet. And you know, you got to pull another three, 400, 500 calories, have a discussion with them. If they say I'm, I'm game. And then you tell them, look, you might need 18 months off repairing the damage. And if they're ready to go for it, that's about all you can really do. And then at that point, your job is to get them ready until they say uncle, you know? So, um, but again, it's, I try to work a lot smarter now than I did back in those days. And, um, it's been paying off. So, but yeah, I mean, sometimes you, if you're in it to win it, you know, you're doing damage, but you don't give a fuck and you're going to push on, go where you got to go, man. But, um, I don't really recommend it. Yeah. And
0: it's, it's one of those things, guys, too. And and Jason, we've talked about it on the show quite a bit, natural versus assisted. So this is going to be a big, big difference. You know, Carrie Bowen won the world championships, you know, hundred pounds looking insane and cliff. You had to take her to 900, just shy of a thousand calories where Jason, you, you know, if you're working with some assisted women, they're not going to have the kind of backlash or have to have the kind of time off um, that a natural, female is going to have. And I think that's, that's the same thing with guys too. It's the same thing. I've had to have some guys down to 1600 calories towards the very end. Um, but they're usually lighter because they're natural. They're guys that are, they're going to get on stage at 165 pounds. So if I'm getting them down, I'm, I'm with, I'm with you. I'm kind of around that 10 times body weight. Then I start to wonder, all right, can they stick to this? You know, but if somebody weighs 165 at the end and the very end of the diet, they're at 1600 calories, maybe with a carb up at, you know, 1900. Sure. I've had to go there, but there's always, people need to realize that that last little final stretch that we're talking about, it's, it's a lot of people just can't get through those sticking points. And it's one of those things to where, you know, if they have to end up going there, you're right. The time off is going to be so important. And it's one of those things If with me, I'm just this way. If a client won't take it, I just tell them there's nothing else I can do for them. And I let them go after they expire because you can't take someone like that and turn around, and have six months off usually, especially female and then try and turn around and diet them again. Cause then, then where are you going to fucking take them? I mean, right. you just took them to 900 calories or protein veggie or, or whatever that situation is. Um, so to me, it's, it's just, it's just kind of tough, but Jason, are you seeing more people now that, as far as the natural side of things, and and I don't know what the ratio is of your clients, are seeing more people now more willing to take time off now that there's more education out there? And Cliff, you can chime in on that as well. Are you seeing more people willing to take time off than a few years ago? Or are you, are you still seeing it kind of the way it was?
1: Well, you know, you kind of have to um, consider the source. So consider who I am. Like I put out a lot of info about, you know, reading labs, uh, fixing hormones, getting your body into a proper situation. I won't just start someone who says, hey, I want to pay you to diet me. Like, that's not how I operate. And people that contact me, they contact me because they want that extra, you know, knowledge of reading labs and keeping them healthy. So the people that contact me, they're more than happy to take the time off, get the lab work and do all the things that they know I do. I'm not getting someone who, thinks reading, you know, getting lab work is dumb or, you know, just wants to push, push, push because they know that's not the kind of coach I am. So I'm not seeing it. My my clients listen to me like, you know, and, and, and they know that I'm going to, all right, the show's done. We got to restore your period. We got to look at your labs. If I can't get it back, I'm going to add these certain supplements. I'm going to get it back before I do anything else. Like they kind of know from listening to me and, you know, the knowledge that I put out, what they're getting into. And people come to me because they want to learn to do this long term healthily. So I don't see the pushback. But you know, I'm sure that there's plenty still people out there who um, either don't buy into the fact that they need to be restoring their body after, you know, putting it through that or they just don't care. But for me, no, like most of the people that come to me, that's what they're looking for.
0: Cliff, whenever whenever you're getting people apply, um, and you have to tell them, hey, listen, like we need to take most of this year off, and then maybe prep for a show next year. Are you, are you running in, into any problems with that now? Or are you seeing it? Are you seeing it starting to lessen? Because I know back in the day we had a problem like getting people to actually buy in. That was a long time ago for you and I, but are, are you having any issues with that? Or are you seeing to, seeing people buy in on on the time off when they contact you now?
2: Um. Well we'll put it this way i have people buy in but like like jason said i think who you're talking like how you speak on your social media does influence who's contacting you yeah um and so like my my social media is a lot of like you do whatever needs to be done in order to like unlock your ultimate potential and so that tends to draw a lot of people they're like hell yeah let's push and, you know, they apply with me. And then I'm like, well, you need to take, take this year off. You just competed this, the, you know, a few months ago. And then they're like, oh, well, you said, you know, you kind of are like to do whatever needs to be done. And I'm like, yeah, well, what needs to be done is take a year off. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> right. you know, um, and then they're a little taken back. But when I explain it to them, yeah. um, I, I would say I'm at a fortunate point in my career where my track record speaks for itself. Um, And I'm sure you guys are the same way where I don't have to fight people like I used to. Right. Um, I explain my stance and they're more readily like, oh, okay, I get it. I trust you. Um, But, you know, I'm sure you guys remember like the days when you didn't have that track record. Like you only had what your your words, (laughs) you know what I mean? And then... You know, some people would believe you, and other people would, you know, say "Screw you, I'm out of here." <laughs> and so, um, um, so you know, usually now I will get those people that want to push and compete every year, and then I say that's not a good idea. Here's why, and then they're kind of, and then I'll usually word it with along the lines of like, "Hey, sometimes doing whatever it takes to win is being patient," and um, yeah. then they're like, "Ah, oh, shit, he's right," you know. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: It- I made a post one time and I said, everybody brags about how they'll do no matter. They'll do anything. They'll say, they will do whatever it takes until it comes to taking fucking time off. Then everybody's (laughs) like, no, that's the one thing I don't want to do. So guys, we've kind of covered the the physical, the hormonal, the hunger, like a lot of that stuff that, that keeps athletes from getting completely shredded. So we've kind of covered all that. And if, and if people listening, if they can push through know that your competition is not is most likely a majority is not going to push through to get there. If you can push through and make it, that's going to be a big win for you. But let's talk about how important it is to actually quote unquote coach people through. So let's put our coaching hats on now. Um and let's talk about, you know, how to handle the fragile ends of a prep for some of our clients and Cliff, I'm going to throw this over to you. How much of your job is crucial helping your clients push through to the end when it comes to actually coaching them? The art of coaching, not cutting calories, not, not adding cardio. Like We all know that. That's, that's kind of what we just covered. But I'm talking about actually helping Joe or helping Melissa push through to get that last five, six, seven, eight pounds off. How much of that and how you do that, it's different from other coaches. How much do you feel like that's an important part of your job as a coach?
2: Um, well, you know, I do, you know, I do feel like that's probably one of my stronger points. Um, kind of interesting story on that too. And Jason, I don't know if you know this, but well, I know, you know, part of it. So, um, I think that like coaches have to be good at a lot of things. You know what I mean? Like we're all, we're all good with nutrition. We're all good with training. We're all good with playing a little armchair, armchair psychology. You know, um, we all are even like uh pretty good at um dealing with health issues and i think that every coach has like certain areas that are stronger or weaker or whatever it may be you know what i mean like we all, we can't all be great at everything <laughs> so um like a perfect example is um i had a client recently uh that i stopped working with that jason works with uh renee abberly oh yeah and Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, a good example is like, you know, Renee has been pretty open about how she like struggled with eating disorders. And I worked with her for quite a few years, like when she was struggling with it and we got everything much more back on track. But then, you know, Jason, as you know, she has had, she's been working through some more health issues and everything. And so like, I would say I told her and she emailed me and she's like, Hey, I don't want you to be mad. But I, you know, started working with Jason a little bit after we stopped working together. I'm like, no, it's totally fine. I said, you know, you were maybe working with me on, you know, what I consider to be one of my coaching strengths, which is helping you deal with the eating disorder and the psychology aspect. And I said, when you needed something else, there was Jason with his strength. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I do think it's, um, I think with coaching, there are so many different aspects where, you know, each coach kind of has their own unique strengths or, you know, what they're really great at. And so like Jason is really great with, um, reading labs and the diagnosing the medical stuff where I think I would say psychology is probably one of my, my strengths as a coach. Um, because personally I read psychology research, like i read training and nutrition research. Um, so at least for me, I do a heck of a lot of coaching with my clients from a psychology standpoint, because like we said, it's so difficult to push through at the end. And like, I'm sure you guys remember the like first time you pushed yourself to get really, really, really lean. And it was like, it was, it was almost traumatic, you know what I mean? Like a lot for a lot of people like pushing to that limit can be a sort of traumatic experience. And so I think there's a lot of uh, coaching that is required to find out what parts of it are traumatic and what holds certain people back in their mentality to get to those.
0: Jason, what, what would you feel is like a percentage of how good you are as a coach? Like how much of that comes into how you're helping someone through email, like the psychology of it towards the end, you know, the last five, six, seven, eight pounds. Is, Is that a really crucial thing for you compared to years past?
1: You know, that's actually a really good question. Like I've, I obviously do not read, uh, psychology, you know, texts like Cliff does, um, And so it's, I'll be honest, it's not something where I sit there and be like, all right, we're at week four. Now I really need to start, you know, paying attention to the psychology of things. So, uh, but at the same time, you know, I obviously help my clients through things as they arise, but I'm not generally going to sit there and be like, all right, we're at week four. Like you might start experiencing this mentally and that, and I'm not saying that's what Cliff does. I'm just saying, I don't do that. Um, but as things arise, like, you know, I'm quick to, to try to deal with them, but I, it's not something that I'm, um, honing in on per se, but when people have issues, you know, I have no problem dealing with it. And I give, you know, situational advice, you know, based on my own experiences and digging in, um, I have no problem doing it, but it's not something that I have like, all right, at six weeks out, I need to make sure to tell them this at four weeks out, I need to tell them this. I don't really go about it that way. It's more organic as it, as it develops.
0: Yeah. And I know we're all three a little bit different. You know, Jason, you're a pretty cut, dry to the point guy when times need. And you know what? We'll see posts from our clients that say, Hey, we, we really love that. And Cliff, I've seen that. I've, I've heard people talk about you. Like Cliff was a straight shooter with me. Like he made sure I understood exactly what I needed to know. And you know, it's some of those, I think coaches that can kind of do it all, are some of the best coaches because I've got clients where I've had to been like it, because I know them well enough through emails. I'm like, listen, you're being a bitch. Like you're feeling sorry for yourself. You need to really dig deep. It might be a guy that I know. And there's some people there's no way in hell I'm going to say that to because that's just going to crush them. Like they're going to get yeah. pissed. It's going to crush them. You know, I'm, I might have a female that's crying in one of her workouts because she's just struggling at the end. I'm going to, I'm going to be a little softer with that person. Yeah. So it, it, you know, when you get a bunch of different clients it comes down to how you handle them, you know, as they get, they get in towards the end. I know you guys can hear my cat. Don't you fucking come over here and unplug my laptop. That happened last time to me and Jason. I don't even know if we talked about that on the show, but we're not going to have that happen here. All right, but back on track, um, you know, I think that's just something crucial that a lot of coaches don't realize. The thing is just cutting calories, adding cardio. It's a, it's a lot of that stuff, but it's how you can help people deal with the mental stuff. You know, I can fire up some of my clients in an email and they're like, hey, I needed that so much. And it's going to help them push for a few days. Then they're probably going to need something else. Um, you know, Cliff, I've, I've heard you talk to some of your clients before and you've used that line. Maybe you're not cut out for this. Why don't you talk about that? Because I, I love that. What happens when you've actually had to say that to a client before?
2: Yeah. So, yeah, that, that is a little. Um, so I think we've all been to the point where you have a client that just seems miserable throughout the entire thing like they almost seem like there's nothing about this process that they enjoy at all um and along those lines you know it's, they complain about everything and they can't seem to stick to it and and you know I'll try a lot of other things before I get to this point but sometimes I'll just I'll just say to them uh you know maybe you're not really meant to be in this sport um, and that's going to do one of two things. One, it, it may make them realize maybe they're not meant to be in the sport. Maybe they would rather be doing something else, um, or they're going to get pissed off <laughs> and they're going to be like, "Well, I'll show him." You know, I'll show him I'm meant to do the sport, and it, it's it's done really well for me uh, to like help people. I mean, in general, I, so I guess I would say my psychological approach with clients is one. I always try to. Whenever they email me, I'm always kind of looking at what makes this person tick and um, for myself, I try to gauge what their weaknesses are throughout the entire process that we're working together. Um, do they lack confidence? Are they pretty anxiety-ridden and if so, maybe why? Um, are, are they motivated, yes or no, why? Um, and what motivates them? What seems to motivate them? And along the lines, when I have, throughout the entire process, I I like to get them, this is why I really enjoy working with people through the off season, because it allows me to frame their perspective and their viewpoints and give them uh, tools to manage the difficulties to come. And then when things get really hard, I've already laid the groundwork. The same way, like we, in my, the way I approach it is the same way we lay the groundwork uh, by getting people's food high before their prep and getting them to a comfortable spot, I honestly like to do the same thing with their mentality um, before things get difficult. Um, so it's also one of the advantages I, I like of longer preps. So even if I haven't worked with somebody through the off season, if I'm going to do a 30 week prep with them, um, I can spend the first 20 weeks also working on their mentality. So then when shit gets really really hard. I've already laid a framework for how they should approach it. Does that make
0: sense? Yeah. And I think, you know, we've all three got, you know, full, large client loads. Um, Jason, how important is it to our coaches listening that they really need to understand and learn about each client? And, and I'm sure that's something that you do as well. I know that you do because you've, you've done my prep before. You've done Leslie's multiple times and vice versa. Uh, we've all kind of worked together in some capacity. Yeah. How important is it for our coaches to realize how much they actually need to get to know the client and not know just their macros and their, their cardio and stuff like that.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, you know, there's been times where obviously I've created really great friendships, you know, out of, you know, clients. So, you know, you're always trying to kind of garner a little bit of info about what their daily life is like, what makes them tick. And then sometimes, like I said, that becomes a friendship, but I'm not saying it has to obviously, but my point is you're digging for those uh, pieces of information because I mean you're building a program that has to work with their life. Um, so you know I I'm, I I you know, even my uh, questionnaires kind of dig at things along those lines so that I can better um, you know schedule workouts and schedule this. You know maybe they have three kids maybe they have to train in the morning. You know all those different things. So the first meal has to be something quick, but you know you get food in them. All those different things that you learn um, to help, to help schedule. And then of course, you know, like you guys were just talking about the mental aspect of what makes someone tick, you know, can you, um, you know, I can kind of tell when someone is going to be more like me as an athlete and do well with tough love. And when someone needs a little bit more validation. so like, you know, they might get a little bit more attaboys from doing things that I kind of just consider, that you should be doing anyways, but I know that based on their conversations that I need to, to give that. And so I'll provide that as needed, but you know, there's some people who, um, it's better not to give them validation. Uh, it keeps them working for it. And, you know, some people are that way where, you know, they, they want to impress you and, You know, if you give too much, uh, they get, they get too relaxed. So you're kind of constantly kind of feeling those things out. And I think the better of a coach you are, and the longer you do this, you can sense those things from people, uh, over, over times with talking. And then, you know, the way you give your instructions is kind of how it keeps them motivated without having to, you know, build a, Program of motivation. Like it's just built in based on how you interact with them. Yeah,
0: I agree. Let me get your guys' thoughts on this and I'll weigh in at the end as well. Um, What would you say to coaches out there that are, would you say, would you tell them, listen, don't be worried about how low you need to take your clients um, if they're not getting lean enough? Do you, I guess my question is, do you think like there are too many coaches out there that are worried about taking their clients? Too low calorie or too high cardio? Do you think that's out there? And and if so, what what would you say to that person?
2: I I mean, I guess I would say, I mean, I think there is such a thing as too low calorie, um, but I think that some people's measure of where it is is a little off Um, because, like, you know, I've heard some people say that you know they don't want to take their women below thirteen hundred calories in a contest prep diet, and I'm like well, that's not, not really reasonable if you want them to do really well. <laughs> you right. know? Um, and so I, I think that, um, you know, but also like Jason said, I, th- I think it's also how low calorie for how long. Like Jason took his, his, that one guy lower, um, and there are repercussions from that. But also, you know, Jason does shorter diets than I think you and I do, John. Right. Um, so, you know, it's like uh, how low are you going to take somebody for how long and then knowing if they have the repercussions. But I think that, um, I think that comes with experience because, you know, uh, I, I think that a lot of the people that are too worried about going lower, uh, a lot of them maybe don't have the competitive experience themselves along with, uh, maybe they haven't coached enough people. A lot of it is just coaching in theory. You know, I think there's a lot of people right now, uh, on Instagram and stuff like that, that are coaching more in theory than in practice. I think yeah, there's yeah. a lot of people that maybe they've done no shows or maybe one show or, you know, they haven't really coached a lot of people. So, uh, sorry, but this is like actually a big pet peeve of mine, like going on right now within the fitness industry is people. There's so many people creating content, uh, and they're telling everybody what they need to be doing with diet and training when they have so little experience with diet and training themselves or coaching other people. (laughs) And so I think there's a lot more content producers than there are people that are actually (laughs) filled with coaching diet and training.
0: Yeah. So Jason, I'm going to kind of kick this back over to you. And then we're going to, we're going to wrap it up after one more thing. Um, I guess what I'm trying to, to get out of this too, is Jason, you mentor a lot of people. You you do that. You actually have people that you bring on and they pay you to mentor them. Correct. Um, what would you say to the coaches out there that are worried about taking clients to locality? Would you say, Hey, listen, just ease into it. Like you need to do it a few times. Like you need to have a lot of feedback. Like what's something that you help your, your clients with that you're mentoring?
1: Yeah. I mean, first off, I do think that, um, a lot of new coaches, uh, do kind of suffer from, from what you're talking about. Like they don't know truly how far, far to push on someone um and so there are those coaches out there that are afraid to do it um so so I agree with that um you know what I generally teach when I teach my mentor thing classes is basically this um if if the client is generally healthy you know and you've looked at everything and, you know, they're generally healthy. You've had your conversations with them about what the ramifications of pushing further are. Then your job at that point is to get them stage ready. Um, and if they want to push on, then I push on and try to get them there. Now I still would say there's a caveat to that. Like, you know, if you push as a coach beyond what you feel comfortable Um, and after you've had that conversation and their body still is not responding, dropping calories is not the answer. Um, and so, you know, go ahead and try it, go, go past what you think might be, uh, your comfort zone and and what might be detrimental. And if they're still not responding, don't keep pushing down lower and lower. Like, honestly, um, I get my best responses is, is working a diet down to the point where you know we're not getting any responses. Calories are low, cardio's high, and then I'll just shock the body and, and do a reversal where I'll drop protein, bring carbs back in, you know, manipulate different things. And a lot of times, I can get their body going again uh, with more food than less. Um, so you know, I just don't go that. Far into the depths of 800, 900, this type calories anymore. I just don't, I just don't really go there, but, um, don't be afraid to push a little harder than what you think they can take as long as the discussions have been, have been made.
0: Yeah. So guys, I want to throw something else out there to you. I want to talk about sometimes when it's okay, not to get a hundred percent stage lean or completely shredded. You know, Cliff, you talked about being a shredded swimmer. I think that was you that talked about that at the very beginning of the show. And, you know, I've had clients over the years to where, and you know, I'll use one of my clients. She was a natural figure pro, Stephanie Casella. She ended up winning tons of pro shows. We worked together um, and she was shredded. Like she was always, always the most leanest figure pro in her class. And I would watch the girls compete against her make the mistake of trying to match her conditioning when it wasn't necessarily their best look. So they looked yeah. really stringy, over-dieted, and I watched girls, and, and I made this point to her. I said, listen, they're going to chase you when they're not chasing their best physique. And I learned from that. And this was 2014 when I saw that start to happen. I learned from that with my clients, you know, since then, to where if it may not be their best look to try and chase shredded glutes or to try and you know, pick, pick the body part, it doesn't matter. but try and, you know, chase that ultra, ultra grainy conditioning if their physique isn't going to look the best there. And I put numerous clients, especially, you know, natural guys in, you know, the new classic category. You don't necessarily have to get them bodybuilding lean. And, and I've held them back on purpose and their physique has looked better. It's been a little bit denser. Have there been times that you guys have had to have that conversation with your clients about chasing the best look, not chasing being the most shredded person in your class. Cliff will we'll kick you off since you're the, you're the guest.
2: Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. I guess you could almost take it division by division. Um, so if I'm going to start with like the bodybuilding division, the, the time I see it the most is guys that are dead set on striking the glutes, but I don't know if you guys have seen this before. Um, some guys that don't have muscular glutes, um, you know, the muscularity in their glutes aren't built up. So um, the glute striations don't show easily if they have a lack of muscularity in the glutes. Right. So it's almost like they will um, chase striated glutes to the withering away of the rest of their physique. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, right. So it's like everything else on their body is completely shredded, except they don't have lines in the glutes. Um, meanwhile, we need to push so hard because. The, there's such a lack of muscularity there that we would have to continue pushing to to get any lines to show through. So, in bodybuilding, there are instances where I'm not going to push glutes at the expense of the rest of the physique. Um, but um, another, like you said, another instance with like figure or uh, bikini, um, I see it a lot too with like uh, younger bikini competitors or newer bikini and figure competitors where they don't have the muscularity yet to get that real, you know, I would say bikini shredded look. Um, You guys know what I'm talking about, where just some of these bikini competitors are. They are really hard, but also really full at the same time. Um, And if you don't have the muscularity to pull that off, I don't think you should go chasing it. Otherwise, you're just going to end up looking bony. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, And so I think that's another case. And then I guess I would say the final instance where I wouldn't push somebody to get shredded is um if I have a very first time competitor who is already kind of struggling mentally because first time you compete some for some people it can be very brutal um, and maybe uh, maybe I had a girl qualify for nationals um, I'm not gonna push her to get totally totally shredded for a national you know an NPC national show where Her getting totally shredded is going to mean the difference between, oh, she got fourth call out instead of, you know, or third, you know, mid third call out instead of fourth call out. You know what I mean? I'm not going to, I'm not going to damage, I'm not going to crush her mentally and make her hate the sport for the sake of, you know, uh, placing 50th instead of 60th. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, I would rather let her, uh, aim for something, enjoy the process a little bit more and aim for something to be a little bit better with next time rather than crushing a first time competitor that
0: way. Jason, how, how do you feel on the assisted side, man? Have you had to have that conversation where people were like, Hey, listen, your physique looks better now. We don't necessarily need to chase XYZ. I mean, is that something that you're kind of looking at and explaining? Um, I know it's a little different on that side of the sport.
1: No, I mean, I do. I, 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 have to have that conversation. Um, you know, one of them is just what Cliff said with the glutes. I mean, I, it's the same, it's the same thing. You know, I, have had to tell guys like, look, you don't have enough dense muscle there to really show lines. So, you know, well, let's make sure your hamstrings are in, let's make sure lower backs, you know, etched in and, you know, um, let's let's just you know bring the best package possible, but you're not even really gonna get the lines if we keep sucking you down um but it goes in it really kind of goes in any class, like in my opinion, um you know there's always a mix between dry and full and what looks better on certain people, and sometimes I'll be honest, like when I'm first prepping someone, if I've never prepped them before, I try to err on the side of get them as peeled out of their mind as possible, but there's been times where once I've got someone there and then I saw them on stage, I'd go back and be like, Hmm, your three week out physique might've placed better than, than that one. And, you know, and I, and I tell them my bad, like, you know, I, it's our first time working together. I I wanted to get you just as, as lean as possible. Usually that's what pulls someone through, but there's been times once I saw them on stage and under those lights and in the lineup that um, I realized that, you know, when we work together the second show, maybe we'll, you know, get to that, that other look and then start bringing food up and that that was a better look for them. And, you know, I'm, I have no problem telling people, you know, oh, you know, maybe I screwed up there. I I probably shouldn't have taken you that lean. Um, but I'd rather have that conversation than, you know, Oh, well I didn't bring you in hard enough. You know what I mean? So, but it's happened. Um, so yeah, uh, everyone's, I think has the best, has a mix of what looks best on them. Um, I think the more gifted you are muscularly, uh, the softer you can be and obviously you can't show up soft but like you don't have to be you know the thinnest skin and everything sucked in um, I have some decent genetic body parts but as a whole I'm not you know round everywhere and so for me I always personally err on the side of just getting shredded no matter every time I suck myself down harder I always end up better than if I tried to play a little more fullness game um, so every client's like that too and yeah uh,
0: I, I've got, I've got a real quick story to tell about Leslie and we'll kind of wrap this up. You know, I, I did her prep. Oh, uh, I don't know, a couple years ago, two, three years ago. I can't even remember now. And yep. she had taken four years off and she was really looking good and she did her, you know, the MPC mayhem. She won her master's class the master's overall. She won her open class and she was really close in the overall, the girl that won, it was just a beast. But I mean, Leslie was right there and she looked outstanding and you know, she had master's nationals like six weeks later. And I just told her, and and she, to be IFBB pro conditioning, she had about another five pounds to go, five, six, seven pounds, but she looked so good on the state level. And what I didn't realize is, is I told her, I said, okay, we're going to push for that level that the pros are at that way, that way that you're there. But what you know, and I'm not a rookie, but what I wasn't thinking about, because I don't put a lot of females on the national stage, they do natty shows. So what I didn't realize is, is I started to push her to get to that insane, insane conditioning that you see the pros at. And what happened was her body started looking worse because she didn't have the size, first of all. So she started to lose that and her body fought her so hard because she had already been in prep that she just started looking worse. So what do we do? We actually pulled the plug and we actually started to reverse her in and let her body relax and chill. And she went on and she won her IFBB pro card. And it was one of those things that, you know, it kind of slaps you in the face. You're like, duh, dumbass! Like if her body's not looking good, why would you keep pushing? So I, right. that's just something I think I want to, you know, tell our coaches out there that, you know, sometimes you have to really look and see what's going on. Maybe they look better, not hundred percent stage ready. So. definitely. Yeah. Definitely an interesting conversation. But I mean, they're
1: still stage ready. It's just there's there's levels to it, right? I mean, there's like peeled out of your mind, and then there's like you know, damn, that's a really good look. You know, you could have probably pulled a little more off. And I think there's varying degrees of where people. Uh, look their best. And I think as a coach, you definitely, definitely have to be like when I do peak weeks for my clients, like I have them start sending pictures like seven days out as I'm adding food, taking it away, you know, generally I'm adding, but like, I'm looking at morning looks, I'm looking at evening looks like and I'm comparing them and I'm putting them side by side and I'm sending them back to them. And like, there's a different, you know, everyone looks a little different, like full and dry. And you got to find that mixture. And it's the same thing with conditioning. So Yeah. Yeah. I think body fat distribution plays
2: such a crucial role in that. Um, You know, like some, some people hold body fat very differently than others. Definitely. And it will make such a big difference in terms of how they look, trying to get that last little bit off versus leaving it on. Um, And for, for someone, I'll even take myself, for example, if I am and John, I've sent you the pictures. If I'm like five pounds over, like shredded, I'm going to look like shit on stage. (laughs) But if I lose those last five pounds, everything pops a lot more. Whereas somebody that is more muscular than myself, they can go on with five additional pounds on it. And they'll just look, it, it would be described as, so if I go on five pounds over my traditional stage weight, people would go, man, Cliff looks really off. You know what i mean but jason i'll take you for example if you went on with five extra pounds they would probably say it's a different look like full you know what i mean so uh, it's pretty interesting to see the individuality with that
0: yeah guys this has been a really fun show cliff we're going to have you back on jason and i talked about some of the different guests that we're going to have on an episode. So maybe we'll have you on for like a peak week episode or we'll have you on for a and I mean, there's a lot of different topics. I mean, you and I have done so much in the past. I mean, you're always a welcome guest here. Um, I am going to list all of, of, um cliff social it's in the show notes so we don't have to talk about it now you guys can just click on the show notes to see where to find him on facebook and instagram and where to find his book and everything else that's kind of coming along so cliff we just want to say thanks man I, I know that that health's been something that you've been working on and we don't have to get into the details here but uh, positive thoughts your way and we appreciate you taking the time to uh to come on the show man thank you
2: no thanks guys i, I really like what you're doing here so i'd, I'd be happy to come back anytime Awesome. Yeah.
0: Also, we and Cliff and I will let everybody know, kind of a teaser. We're not going to say the date, but we will let everybody know. And I think we've mentioned it before, Jason, you're a part of the Physique Summit. Cliff and I obviously will both be there. We are coming to Tampa in February of next year, 2021. So we are going to move it. A lot of people are excited. We'll have the information, all the dates soon. And then Jason, you and I have a Have a two-day seminar coming up for Elite Physique University. It's tentative for August. As long as all the COVID-19 stuff stays lifted, you and I should be good to go, man, right here in Springfield, Missouri.
1: Yep. Definitely. Looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. You guys just stay tuned. So, for myself, Cliff, and Jason, we're out of here. Thanks, guys.